Welcome. Glad that you guys are here this weekend. Um, on your way in, you should have been handed the notes. And if you want to grab those in just a second, uh, we'll jump right into the message. While you do that, let me welcome all of our campuses, uh, Lakewood and uh, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, of course, here at Lone Tree, folks that are live streaming us uh, this weekend and those that will be listening to it in the next week or two. Whenever you uh, tune into this, we are glad that you're a part of the JFC family. You might be thinking, uh, gosh, when, when, when did they record this? It was right after we won the Stanley Cup. Up. Um, so um, thank you for that by faith um, cheer. Yes. Hey, uh, it's been mentioned a couple of different times. Uh, our life day is coming up on May the 24th. I, I wanted to take a second and um, uh, just share really the purpose behind this. Folks, we're, um, we're not, I, I realize it's being held in Highlands Ranch and our campuses are spread out sort of all over the west and southern part of Denver, and you may be sitting like at Lakewood or at Castle Rock and thinking, um, man, is that really a Highlands Ranch thing that they're doing? Or, um, you know, why is it located there? It happens to be that we had good cooperation with uh, the particular park that we're using right there, Redstone. Um, it has a, a great facility to allow us to do a service there. But here's the, here's the deal. Um, when I started the church uh, way back 16 years ago, I, I know this may sound a little funny. Um, it's not delusional. It, it, it is something that I still hold inside of my heart. At some point, I saw um, our churches coming together and worshiping at the Pepsi Center. I didn't see having a church at the Pepsi Center, and I didn't see that it was um, something that we came together and there was teaching that was there. What I saw is that there was a conglomeration of all that we were doing where we came together and we just worshiped God. It was sort of a, a day of worship that filled the Pepsi Center. Now look, Pepsi Center seats, what, 20, 20 some odd thousand right out there? We're 3,000, and I know you're like, John, there's a big difference between 3,000 and 20,000. I totally know that. Um, but how about this? Filling Shea Stadium one day, one service, one celebration is a step from where we are towards eventually filling the Pepsi Center at some point. And how powerful would that be for the city of Denver to see churches come together just to worship God? How, how powerful? And I, I know it's like, I, I, well, that's so, that's so far. What a neat idea, but could we ever really get there? I know this. If we begin to move towards it in faith by doing things like this, it brings apart the, uh, the possibility of someday doing something like that. So here's the vision behind this. We're doing a fun run with it and we're doing baptisms with it and we're using the opportunity for our youth to, uh, to do their barbecue for their fundraiser. But we, we're doing the service on that day. We, we chose to do it to step into the realm that we wanna bring all of our campuses together. One service, one day, one opportunity. It's not something that we see happening on a, on a regular, you know, monthly basis, nothing like that. I've never been able to pull all of our campuses together, believe it or not, since we started campus churches. We've never had a day where we get everybody together in one service. And it's our opportunity to do that. So I'm appealing to you. I have no interest going to Shea Stadium by myself. 
and doing a service. I have no interest in our pastors gathering together or having 10% or 20% of our church do it. I'm appealing to all of you. This is part of a vision. It's something that we want to, um, to have our community understand. We're trying to take folks a city. We're not trying to do a church thing. We're trying to win a city and make a statement to our city about what we believe in. Please join me. May the 24th, do whatever you can to make that happen. I, I just feel like it will make such a statement in the spirit. I would love to punch a hole in the heavens and have an open heaven over our part of the city. How about you? Amen. And I, I just, I wanna go for it. So throwing it out to you, if it's, if it's a possibility in your schedule, we'd love to have you there. And we'll talk a little bit more about that um, in the next uh, couple of weeks. All right, let's, uh, let's jump into our message here. Uh, here's what we did. I don't know, if, if, you, if you don't attend here, you won't recognize any difference this week. But if you attend here, did you walk in and did it look naked? Behind, I, I, this is, so I hadn't, I hadn't been in the sanctuary since we took it all down. And I walked out, I'm like, man, we forgot something. Our series was over, but it really works well as an illustration to what we're doing. The culmination of so much of what is taught in Christianity is the resurrection, and rightfully so. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Rightfully so, the resurrection, that's the apex. But for so many of us, we aim at that as the apex, and then sort of like, okay, we did it. Now, Easter next year, 2015, and we begin to prepare for the next. Here's what we thought. Uh, the, the resurrection is not so much the apex as it's supposed to be the leaping off point. The, it's everything's supposed to be continued from that. It's not supposed to be, let's get there and then downhill until next Easter. It's supposed to be the, the launching point, the place that everything that we believe happens from. And so we literally titled, it's just a mini series, a couple of weeks, we titled it To Be Continued. And we're taking the idea of the resurrection is not the end, but it really is the beginning. It's, it's not just the apex, but it really is the launching point for what we're trying to do. So if you grab your notes, what I put right there inside of your notes, um, it, uh, it, it says um, uh, this way. I think it was Pastor DJ who, um, who, who said this to me, and it stuck in my head. Believing that Christ died changes our eternity. But look at this sentence. Knowing he lives is what changes our lives. Do you agree with that right there? Yes. So, so, so believing in him, that he died for us, changes our eternity, but knowing that he lives right now is what's supposed to be changing our lives and affecting our world. So I thought when I was looking at this, all right, what, what is a, a classic example from the Bible that you could look at a person before the resurrection and after the resurrection and see such a tremendous change in their life? Now, I, I, I picked the apostle Peter. And, and I think a lot of times when he's talked about, um, he, it's always with the idea that he was sort of a loud mouth and that he, that he put his foot in his mouth a lot of times and, and he said things that, and I'm, I'm gonna talk about that a little bit, but here, here's a point that I would like to, I'd like to bring to you. Meeting Christ doesn't change our personalities. Okay, I want you to think about this for a minute. What Jesus does is use our personalities when it's controlled by the Holy Spirit to do great things for him. So like when a person comes to Christ, Christ doesn't like erase like, like, a, like a computer where, where the memory's erased and you get a, a brand new upload and now every, it, it's, God uses, he gave you the personality that you have. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. So he, his, his, his method, his way is that he, he wants to come in and the new life in Christ 
with your personality is what's supposed to speak to the world. It's not supposed to be a cookie, like we, we come to know Christ and then we all look, talk, and act the same. That's robotic and that's weird and that's not what God has for us. It is, it is um, truly, uh, it's, it's the real life when God comes to us and he uses our personality for him rather than for this world, if that makes sense. And I think a good example of that is probably uh, the Apostle Peter in that Peter, when, when, when Jesus really gets a hold of, of uh, Peter's personality and, he, and he's changed, it's his, he, he, he's still loud. He's still brash. He, he is still, he's all the things that before the, the resurrection. He's, he's still all those things, only now they're used for Christ, if that makes sense. So let me, let me, we'll jump into this and let me, let me show you this right here. So, so I put down uh, before and after with the apostle Peter, before the resurrection, here's a few statements about that I think um, would, would categorize Peter's personality. Number one, he was loud. Sort of like I'm trying to be right now to get your attention. He was loud. All right, let me, uh, an example. See if you remember this story right here. If you, if you uh, are around the Bible at all, you probably are familiar with it. If, if you're not, it's a, it's a neat story. Um, there, there's a time when Jesus goes to, the Bible says, to a mountain, a mountaintop, and he takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, which tended to be the three that he would always hang. He was closer to those three than, than the other nine. And, and he would tend to hang out with them a lot. And Peter, always in those circumstances, seemed to do funny things. But in this particular case, they go, uh, it, it's Mount Tabor. And in Israel, if you're going with me, we actually, we go to this mountain. Uh, it is, it's a, nothing spectacular about it except what took place there. Uh, Jesus gets to the top of the mountain. He has the three disciples. And the Bible says that um, Moses and Elijah show up on top of this. I mean, you know, that would change the day, just a small, a small bit. And so uh, of the three disciples, who speaks up? Peter. And here's Peter's, here, here's his comment to Jesus. Um, Jesus, it's really good that we're here. How about if I build three shelters, one for Moses one for Elijah, and one... For, doesn't that seem to be a very superfluous thing to say to Jesus? I'll build three tents I don't, for, in case the weather changes or you guys get sleepy or what, whatever. I'll build this for... And in fact, they built a little church on top of the mountains and the church has, uh, outside of the, the main sanctuary, they built three little rooms to uh, recognize what Peter said. It just seems so silly that he would say something like that right there. But that was him, and that was his personality. He would just speak up quickly. I wonder if he was like one of those people who later on, he goes back through his mind and what he said and goes, oh, what was I thinking when I said, anybody else like that? I'm not quick on my feet. So it's usually when I'm going home that I go, oh, I could have said that. Or why did I say that right there? And I, I think that that was a little bit of how he was. He was a, a person who was very sure. Very sure of himself. Right or wrong, he was always sure. Yeah. Yeah. A great leadership quality. <laughs> when he walks on the water. I think that the knock on Peter is that when he walks on the water, he, uh, he also sank. But he was the only disciple who did it. The rest of them never got wet. I would rather the person who's willing to jump in and at least try... But he was, he was just like that. Lord, if it's you. Remember, Jesus walks on the water. Lord, if it's you. 
Let me come to you. Okay, come here. And he gets out and he walks on the water. But when he saw the waves and the wind, then he despaired and he sank. Right? But he still, he, right or wrong, he was always sure. Uh, another, uh, I, I think, facet of his character, his personality, he was a very arrogant person. He could, uh, how about he could be arrogant? Relates uh, apparently to no one in this room. I, I see what, but at the Lakewood campus, they just all fainted because, no, here, so here's, here's um, do you remember this one? This, how, let me read this one to you. This is a, this is a funny one, and it just stands out, the, 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 um, <laughs> just the, the arrogancy behind this. this. This is Jesus talking to the disciples, and Peter speaks up. He says, from that time on, uh, it's uh, Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life or to be resurrected. And then in verse 22, Peter takes Jesus aside, right? Like he's like, you know, hey, I don't want to do this publicly, Jesus, but come here, let me, let me share something with you that you're probably not aware of. And this is what Peter tells Jesus. He takes him aside and begins to rebuke Jesus. That's the words that it uses. He rebukes him and tells him, listen, listen. So Peter takes him aside, begins to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And this is Jesus's response. He turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. How many of you know that is not what you want to hear from Jesus? <laughs> and I bet his intentions were very noble. Agreed? Yeah. What a very arrogant thing to do. To Je Jesus is teaching him, here's what must happen, and Peter pulls him aside. Can you, I, I, just using your, can you just, come here. Just, this is really... This is unnerving the other disciples. You probably don't realize that, but I've heard them. And this is really, this is scary stuff. I mean, what a very, very arrogant thing to do. Now about this then, see if you, you can re relate to this inside of him. He was a very strong in the flesh person. Now what do I mean by that? Um, there's the idea of a person who is very strong spiritually. They just internally have a walk and a place with God where they cannot be moved. This is, um, I, I think this is across genders. You can have both men and women who do what I'm about to say, but it, it, I think the tendency is in men a lot of times, maybe the idea of bravado. There are people who to cover the fact that they're not strong spiritually, act strong in the flesh. They're going to get their hands on it. They're going to, uh, they're going to do it in the natural, if that makes sense. So a, a great example of that, when Jesus is arrested in the garden, do you remember that Peter took his sword and cut off the ear of, of the high priest servant, Malchus, and Jesus had to stop Peter in the middle of, of one of his, I mean, imagine you're about to go through one of the worst times of your life. He has to stop that in order to stop Peter from what he's doing in this situation and heal Malchus. He was a strong man in the flesh. And I, 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 I know in, um, in ministry, what I will get many times are people who, who will come and approach uh, with the idea of, I would love to get involved in ministry 
And um, man, on the outside, they seem to have like, there's just something about them. But what can ruin that is when a person acts, they're in the flesh many times. Here, here's what happens. They end up, they get things done, but there's a pile of bodies behind them when they get done. Does that make sense? And that's not what we, listen, that, that doesn't help. That's not, it's not a gift of the spirit to be strong in the flesh. That, that's, not, that's not the idea here. And then let me, let me give you just uh, last one. Peter had a very shakable faith. His faith was, it was not, he was not, Jesus said this to, uh, to, to the apostle Peter um, when, when he asked uh, Peter, who do men say I am? Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. And then he pinpointed it, who do you say I am? And Peter speaks out of revelation to Jesus. You are the Christ. You are the son of God. And then Jesus says to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Some people go, okay, upon the shoulders of the apostle Peter, Jesus is going to build the church. No, upon the revelation that Peter was given, that Jesus is the Christ, the church is built. But Peter is not yet that man when Jesus says it. Jesus is speaking prophetically of Peter. Okay, how do we know that? Do you remember this, this part? I put it in your notes, Matthew 26. Uh, this is 33, 35, and verse 75. Uh, this is Jesus when he's telling the disciples what's about to happen to him, being arrested, uh, being tried, being crucified, and then he'd be resurrected. Um, this is what Peter says to Jesus. Uh, Peter said to him, even though all of the other disciples will fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing too. And then it skips down to after Peter has run away. After he has three times been asked if he knows Jesus and, and to be identified with Jesus. Three times Peter denies that. And then verse 75 is the fulfillment of what Jesus said. And Peter remembered the words which Jesus, which Jesus had said to him before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And then this part, he went out and he wept bitterly because he had failed Christ. He had a faith that could be very shaken. Very shaken. All right, now, just in contrast to that, this is before. All of those things I just talked about are before the resurrection of Jesus. After the resurrection of Jesus, let me point out his personality. He is loud. <laughs> yep. now, look, this is important because I think for many people, they struggle with identity in Christ. Here's what they think. After I come to know Christ, when, when everybody talks about everything being new and everything changes, that means that uh, I'll be a different person. You are a different person spiritually, but the personality God gave you, he wants to use in the kingdom of God. Your personality is not a curse, man. You shouldn't. It, it is not godly to try to alter then the very gift of God on the inside of you. That he, I don't, am I, do you get what I'm saying? So the very, listen, you're denying people what God can use 
to reach them in the kingdom if you're like, okay, I, I just need to. I mean, you've seen people that go through that phony. Uh, they, they get, they're born again and they begin to talk. The, thou theest. <laughs> it's just baloney stuff. So he's still, he, he, he now, he, he, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He knows the resurrected Christ. If you ask, look, uh, John, how, give me a proof of the resurrection. A single proof would be this, that if Jesus died and wasn't resurrected, what do you think all of these men would have given their life for the cause of Christ if it was a phony deal? Today, on this side of the issue, uh, many institutions of higher learning teach that the disciples were trying to establish a religion because it was big business and they could control. Perhaps 2,000 years later, religion is big business, but for them, there was no big business to be had. They were persecuted, chased, lost everything to follow Christ. No one does that if it's false. Think about that. So here, here we have Peter, after the resurrection, his personality, he's still loud. Acts 2.14. This is after Jesus has been resurrected. The Holy Spirit is falling upon um, uh, everyone there, the disciples there. Uh, it, it's a, it's a remark. We'll talk about it next week a little bit. But the, the, at, at, after the Holy Spirit falls, the men of Jerusalem that are watching this go on begin to question, what is this? And in Acts 2.14, the Bible says, Peter raised his voice and begins to explain to everyone there what they're seeing. Now listen to this. 3,000 people instantly convert to Christianity. How, does, how do we go from a little bit of addition to all of a sudden this multiplication? This, this is the personality of a man who is bold. Before he was bold and stuck his foot in his mouth. Yeah. Now he's bold and puts his foot on the neck of the devil. Amen. It still took a bold personality. Yeah. Do, do you see that? I, I love that. How right about this? After the resurrection, he's still very sure. Not right or wrong sure. He's very sure now about what the truth is. I think a, a, a great example of that, Acts 4.13, uh, both Peter and John are brought in and questioned in front of the Pharisees for having preached Christ and him being resurrected. And then the Bible says this, I paraphrase a little bit, but it says th these men, these, these Pharisees recognized that Peter and John were uneducated, but they had been with Jesus. And there was no ability to confront or to confound the wisdom that these men now had because they had been with Jesus. God, what a, what a deal right there. How about this? Okay. Here's Peter after the resurrection. He's loud. He's sure. He's also now humble, humble. You remember when uh, we just read the story where Peter goes out and he weeps bitterly when Jesus restores uh, Peter back to his place in the church. He asked him three times, uh, Peter, do you love me? And three times, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. R rather than debate why Jesus asked him three times or you know, did Peter change his answer, here's the point. Peter repented now. A humble person can repent and God can use the humble, can he? Yes. 
So it's still his personality, but now humility is added to it. How about this? Uh, after the resurrection, he is now not strong in the flesh, strong in the spirit. Yes. This is a different man spiritually. While he still, he lives out his life in this flesh, he is now a different man spiritually. I, I think a neat uh, story here is that Peter never ran away again. No matter what he was facing, no matter what the odds were, no matter what the cost was, this man never ran away again. Now he is not, here, here's the, if you're strong in the flesh, something stronger than you eventually will break you. It is the truth. Strong in the spirit, nothing can break you. At the cost of your life, you're still strong in the spirit. And ultimately, I guess that's where I would, I would finish up with his personality right here, is that before he had shakable faith, now he has an unshakable faith. Uh, it, is, it is Christian tradition. It is not scripture, but Christian tradition that when Peter gave his life, he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner as his master was. So, so where does this teaching come from? All the way back to the same people who got together to decide what belonged in the Bible and what didn't belong in the Bible. That's where this teaching, so it's reliable teaching that this man gave his life now for the cause of Christ rather than to unshakable faith at this point. Yeah. Hey, did it work? You're here. Yeah. I'm here. Yes. yes, it changed the world. It changes everything. So this is, he, at this point, he is, he is the rock after the resurrection. I put Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 14. It says, then Peter, I want you to see the words here, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which mankind... I mean, this is a completely different person. Still loud, still brash, still bold, but now controlled by the Holy Spirit. All right, so here, all of that, if it, if it makes a good dichotomy of before and after picture, the question that I would ask you, what's the difference? What causes the difference? And I, I, I think, interestingly enough, if you look in your note, uh, under important, what, what was the difference? I think you find the transition point in the disciples' life, but in particular, in the Apostle Peter's life, you find the transition point, the before and the after at this place. It's John chapter 20. Verse 19, it says this, that on the evening of the first day of the week, when Jesus, uh, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now look at this. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive what? The Holy Spirit. Okay, Jesus taught the disciples, better for you if I go away, because if I don't go away, the helper can't come, the Holy Spirit. And here's what Jesus knew. Even while he was there with the disciples, 
the fulfillment of all that God had wasn't enough. All these guys walked with Jesus, but they walked away from him while he lived on the earth. What changed them to be able to give everything for the cause of Christ, for the cause of the gospel? It was after Jesus left and the introduction of the Holy Spirit. Here, here's the difference, right? To know, to have knowledge that Jesus existed, that's great. But the Bible says it, it, it's not enough to just believe in God. The devil believes in Jesus. It's done nothing for him. It's to have knowledge and the power, the resurrected Christ. That's what this whole then, the to, to be continued idea is. It's not enough to just go, okay, I believe that there's a, a resurrection. You've got to be introduced to the resurrected Christ through the Holy Spirit. That's what changes a person. And if we don't have that, folks, listen, it's not enough then to just have knowledge of the Holy Spirit. You've got to personally be filled with the Holy Spirit. The example that Christ is giving here is the example for all people. He breathed on them and said, receive or be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, what Peter is standing up and telling the crowd is, this was that spoken by Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. So the, to be filled with the Holy Spirit then is the difference in everything that we're teaching right here. It's not enough for a church to go, we believe in a resurrection. It's not enough to have thousands of people gather and celebrate a resurrection. What changes people is to be introduced to the Holy Spirit who is Jesus' spirit. Amen. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what changes the inside of a person. That, that's what takes us from strong in the flesh to strong in the spirit. Hmm. I think, I think when, I, when I read this, we, we uh, in writing it and asking ourselves, okay, what would be the, the, the way that we would end this? Uh, many times when we come to the end of our message, we want people to experience what we've just talked about. That, that's it. I want you to experience being filled again with the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear a message right now that here, here's a picture of the cross that I felt like God spoke to me in the last few weeks. If you, if you think about the cross, it is both vertical and horizontal, isn't it? Okay, I, I think that horizontally, uh, it speaks of our relationship to each other. Vertically, it speaks of the relationship of God to us, but when it's horizontal, it speaks of the relationship that we have to each other. All right, God reaches down and reaches to us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Do you believe that? So that when we come to that knowledge, that's, but the cross itself is also, it's horizontal. So that after we have this knowledge, folks, we now have a responsibility to the entire world around us. It's not to gather together at church and clap our hands, sing a few songs, and just be, hey, we're, we're the chosen frozen. That's, it, it is to be completely filled with what God has done so that it changes our world. Amen. And if it doesn't change our world, what good was it? What, what did it do if it doesn't change everything around us? And if it doesn't change our families and doesn't change our community, what good was it ultimately? Do you get what I'm saying? God, I, 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 I think so much that, 
it comes to the, the measure of we're, we'll take a moment. And, and uh, Tom, if, if you're ready, come and we'll, we'll, we'll prepare all of our worship pastors, all of our campuses. This is the time where get, get ready and get in place right now. What we want, folks, is that uh, at the bottom of your notes, we put all of the different elements that we offer so that people can connect to God right now. I don't want you to go through the motions of taking communion or receiving prayer or going to an altar or just singing a song or, or even like, Pastor, I, I, I want you to experience. I don't want you just to say, I believe it. I want you to experience it. Experience the resurrected Jesus right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let it touch your life again. Change your life again. Look, I don't want you just to be more knowledgeable. I want you to couple the knowledge that you have with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't be people who just have zeal without knowledge or people who just have knowledge without zeal. Put the two things together so that the power of God becomes available to a world. Jesus is not coming back to die again for the world. The only way they'll ever know is when they see the resurrection worked out in your life. Did you just hear what I said? It's the only way. He's not coming back to die again. He's not going to reach the world by going to the cross a second time. He reached the entire world by giving his life and being raised from the dead. The way the world knows now is that the resurrection has to be worked out in your life publicly. People need to see that there's a risen Jesus because of what's inside of you. Do I make sense? That's the difference. The world will never know the gospel any other way. Trust me, no sign that you put up will win people. Screaming on a street corner will not do it. It will be what happens on the inside of you that is the witness, the testimony, the proof of a resurrection. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. All right, so stand to your feet if you will. As we go to worship right now, we'll use all of our elements. Communion is available, prayer is available, the candles are are available for use. If you need prayer, people wearing those lanyards, they'd be happy to pray with you. Use this as your connection time to allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you again And folks, get it. Don't let the culmination of all we believe be a week old. Let it be brand new today. Brand new this weekend. Brand new in this moment. So that as you walk out of all of our campuses, man, the resurrected Jesus walks out of these campuses. Did you get it? Did you get it? All right, Lord, we so open our hearts to you. God, we make ourselves very available to you. Father, fill us again. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we want you. And Holy Spirit, there's room in this place and in our lives for you right now. God, as we just use these different opportunities to connect with you, fill us with your life. Fill us with your joy, with your truth. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us, God. And I thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.